All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tokunet podcast, episode number 42, an introduction to Garo. How's everybody doing today? I have with me the amazing, the wonderful Nicole. Hi. We have Yaz. Yo. And of course, Josh. What's up, everybody? How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Ready to talk some Golden Knight. Yeah! First, before we get into that, though, Nicole, I believe you have some delightful shout-outs for our Patreon users. Yes! So thank you this month to our wonderful Patreon supporters, in particular, Ryugin Urobuchi, CS Toys, Red Belt Comics, and Toku Lectables. Thank you so much for supporting Tokunet, and if anybody else is interested in getting a shout-out on our podcast, feel free to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thetokunet. Thank you so much. Woo! Alrighty, so let's just jump straight into this. As you guys know, I have not seen any Garo at all, and uh, my question for you guys is, what is Garo? And does that question even make sense the way that I say it? (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, Good. I think the easiest way to start off is trying to narrow it down because most people, when you're trying to introduce them to Tokusatsu, it always goes back to the same thing. And it's it's understandable because people don't have the same same frame of reference uh, that we do. So they'll ask, hey, what's this Power Rangers looking thing? But it looks all gnarly. Okay, let's Mm. let's let's narrow it down here. So if you've seen Power Rangers... Let's simplify that. It's it's people in suits fighting monsters, right? Okay. Yeah. So you take that idea, just that basic idea, and say, okay, mm-hmm. instead of five people, it's one guy. Okay, so we went from Sentai to kind of being common Rider or, or any other thing. Yeah, so that, <laughs> so that narrows it down a little closer. Now, okay, yep. Now, uh, to differentiate it a little more, Sentai, common Rider, uh, they all air in the morning on Sundays for kids. This mm-hmm. aired when it first started out at midnight on Friday night. So this was Whoa. for this was for adults. So it's not geared towards kids. This is not for kids. Okay. This is I think the first Tokusatsu thing that I've heard of that was not meant for kids. <laughs> no, it was when it first debuted, it was called it was billed as the hyper midnight action drama. And uh, to start oh, off wow. with that, within the first five minutes of the first episode, you get boobs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, usually, that usually gets people's attention right away. That's very true. It's very true. I mean, <laughs> all right. One way to go about it. <laughs> okay. So, so once you get past that one, you get uh, these more adult themes. Uh, you do definitely differentiating it from other shows. Um, there's a murder every episode. Uh, oh wow! That, that kind of ties into the plot. Uh, it does. It's still simplistic. It's the fight between good and evil that's been going on for centuries. The difference mm-hmm. here is it's kind of like it's got a little Ultraman aspect to it, where our heroes can only stay transformed for a given amount of time. Beyond that, something really bad happens if they stay transformed longer than that. But they don't okay. turn giant like Ultraman. They're right. still human. No, form. they're still human yeah. sized. Yeah, human sized. Yeah. Okay, so so let's let's get a little deeper into that then. So, like, what is the basic storyline of Garo? The the part about it that's the same kind of throughout all of the seasons. The great part about that is it's kind of like 
like like we just mentioned, like Ultraman, every Ultraman plot is essentially the same plot every year, no matter what. You know, human runs into right. an alien, they come together and become a giant that fights monsters. So that works. Mm-hmm. Same thing here with Garo. So same thing every season. We've got these demonic creatures called horrors, and they're okay. they're these things that are the manifestations of the worst parts of people. Evil, envy, greed, lust, all of those things. If you have those within you, you can get taken over by this demon. And the demon completely kills you, takes on your identity, and just wants to feed on other people. And they they multiply like cockroaches. They're everywhere. The only thing that stands in their way are these two sets of people that work together who are called Makai Knights and Makai Priests. Makai priests are like the backup, the shamans, you know, the support. You know, they do magic and things like that, make the gear for the Makai knights. The Makai knights are the main characters. They've got this gnarly Saint Seiya-looking armor, and they're the only ones that can cut down the horrors. Interesting. Yeah, like a whole every society season it's that, well. just with different characters. I was going to say, the whole Makai knight and Makai priest thing is... is... Uh, set in like this whole society of like warriors that sort of have protected the earth for like thousands of years or whatever. Yes, yes. Against the horror. That's really interesting. When did this show first start? When did it first air? Uh, so it first started airing back in 2005. Uh, like I said, it was airing at midnight over on TV Tokyo. Uh, a couple oh, so of years. This is a more recent, a more recent series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, oh. it just barely had its. Uh, it's 10 year anniversary uh, back in 2005. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not as old as Ultraman or Common Rider or things like that. It's fairly recent, you know, only yeah. 13. Like, it's still a teenager. That's insane. Uh, basically, this the show is created by uh, the director Keita Mamiya. And mm-hmm. he previously worked on Sentai and Common Rider. And he created his own shows as well. But he's the. I guess he spun off and made his own thing, and Garo is kind of like just his franchise. Well, yeah, yeah. The great thing about Amamiya is um, you can kind of see how he got to Garo specifically from what Common Writer thinks he had worked on already. Like he worked on ZO, J, Black, Black RX, Shin Common Writer, so kind of the darker series there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a little bit of work on uh, Jetman, Jew Ranger. And this really gnarly, it's kind of out of print now, but if you can look it up, this series called uh, Zadum. It was two live-action movies and a short anime OVA, which is seeing all of these really nightmarish creatures. They, they were aliens, I believe, and this one woman who fights them off. So when you see all of that together, it's like, okay, these properties are cool, but I want to do my own thing, and that's where he ends up with Garo. Yeah, and his his style is like, the fingerprint of this whole show like absolutely going from like the japanese logo for it and like all the designs are very much his style where it's very i wouldn't say grotesque but it's very detailed it's like hyper detailed intricate designs but it's all based off of like brush strokes like he's very artistic and he draws everything in the show pretty much so he's like a huge oh, wow. designer. Yeah, like so this yeah, whole show is Yeah, his art in it is fantastic. Yeah. Like he's definitely got like a cal- calligraphy type of feel, but it's almost like a medieval type of feel as well cuz it has like the hard edges and mm. all of that. I love See, I love the contrast because there's this traditional look at calligraphy, but then there's kind of mm-hmm. like this 
knight medieval type of theme in it that you see here or there. Mm-hmm. So that being said, with Garo being a fairly recent show, you know, still in its teens uh, as a show compared to a lot of the Sentai shows and and Kamerider and all those other things that we've mentioned that are much more mature as an ongoing series. Even that with that, how has Garo changed over the years from how it began to what it's become? What kind of things have they handled like, and how it like relates to a lot of stuff going on in the world at the time? I see that's a really interesting question because I feel like the overall theme of Garo mm-hmm. never really changes. You know, this idea of Makai Knights protecting people from getting possessed by horrors, you know, making sure that people don't give in to that darkness is something that's always present throughout mm-hmm. each uh, season in each movie. Um, right. But I feel like the one area of Garo that I've enjoyed watching change over the years is the special effects. Um, mm. They still very much heavily rely on pra- uh, practical effects, and you can definitely see that, of course, in the first two seasons. But as it goes on, they do integrate CG a little bit more, which they do a really good balance of it, though. It isn't all CG all the time. They'll still, you know, have maybe the monster in CG, but they will still put the Garo suit or whosoever Makai Knight's suit out there in practical effects of like an actual suit actor. The other great thing about it is that compared to other series where, you know, if somebody's fighting, usually they'll cut away to just seeing the people fighting from the neck down. So it's like, oh, you know, there's there's a shot obscuring it. So the actor's not really doing it. One of the things I love about Garo is that most of the time the actors elect to go do the training and do most of the stunts themselves. And yeah. you see them there on camera. They're doing the kicks. They're doing the flips. They're in the wire harness. They're doing this stuff. And it helps maintain that suspension of disbelief that all this other fantastic stuff that's going on, you're more easily able to accept that because you see these guys actually taking the hits and exchanging blows with swords. Mm, yeah, the choreography is the best. Yeah. I feel like it's gotten, like, as the years gone on, it's actually gotten a bit more practical in a way. There was a time during, like, I don't know, season three or four or something where it heavily relied on, like, CG. But I feel like there's been a lot of times in, like, the last few years where you'll see, like, the actual suit, like, of the Garo suit. And, like, more more impressive is that the horrors, the, the evil demons, you see their suits more often as well, too. Like Josh was saying, like, the, the one thing that I love about this show, this franchise that I wish other franchises did is that, you know, the actors had more time to, like do the stunts and, you know, do the training and do the choreography because I guess because it's a shorter series, it's only like usually around 12 to 26 episodes instead of like a, mm-hmm. a year long thing. So they, yeah. yeah. So they have like <laughs> maybe more time to prep, I guess. Well, and do you think also there's a certain amount of it that's where it's just taken more seriously because it's a show intended for adults? I think part of that is because it's a show intended for adults. And this is something they've kind of, changed and modernized a little bit maybe over the last three years or so since the uh, anniversary hit but because it's developed for adults there's not the same thing that you run into with common writer super sentai or even ultraman now where it's toyetic they're not really selling toys for this i mean yeah they mm-hmm. do put out a figure or a shirt here or there 
but they're not trying to sell you a product. They're actually trying to tell a story. And because there's that focus on that, there's more time, you know, like you said, because it's a shorter episode run, so that they can focus on these aspects of the series and make them better. Have there been any, like, really big sort of series-defining moments where, like, things have, like, really took a different turn? There have been several, but it's hard to say what they are without spoiling what the arc of the story was. But there's a lot of really epic battles. There's a lot of very practical battles, just two-on-two guys. Uh, I know, Nicole, you were talking about uh, one battle in specific before we started this, uh, which is episode seven of the first season, where it's Mm -hmm. two Makai Knights facing off against each other. That whole sequence, it's a sequence that involves uh, both of them. There's been a misunderstanding, and the both of them are fighting it out. One's not listening to the other, and there's this giant set piece where they're both falling down a skyscraper, fighting each other until their armor time runs out. It is the single best fight scene in all of Garo, and I will defend that to the day I die. It's it's top five. Like, just because I had to catch up on a lot of the the seasons to catch up, it's definitely top five, hands down. Yeah, it is the moment where I thought, this show is going to be awesome. Because, like, people always, you know, mention the skyscraper fight, which is amazing, because it's like, I don't know how tall that freaking building is, but they're falling for, like, 10 minutes i don't know it's weird <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing is it feels like it's 10 minutes but they only have like 99 seconds yeah it's yeah. well they, mm-hmm. they, they they're generous with the time but yeah, um yeah. <laughs> what i love about it is how it starts because it starts in uh in a bar i think and yeah. just seeing them fight and again you seeing the two actors fighting each other like it's not they don't cut to stunt doubles too often so you see them exchanging blows and you know swing like swinging swords at each other and jumping here and there and it it was very raw and it was intense and that's something I really loved about it and I heard that the main actor for that show who played Koga he wasn't good at it at first he was very like awkward in how he moved and apparently by the time he finished like season two he was like a pro at it like he that's how that's hard amazing. he worked. He works oh, really that hard doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic in particular, but I could go into how much I love Koga later. <laughs> I was thinking of other moments um, that sort of changed the franchise. Well, I think, like, in showing the growth of the series, because there was something of a gap between uh, seasons, because we got season one, and then we got a special after that. And then for a really long time, there was this big gap between season one and season two where people thought, well, this was a one-off series. It was great for the time we had it, but we're never going to get anything further. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it started circulating. People started finding out about it. Like, hey, what's this Garo thing everybody keeps talking about? And then eventually they made another movie. The movie did really well. And so that greenlit the second season. But you, you got to think of the gap here. The first season was 2005. We didn't get season two until 2011. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. there was a gap there. But then when season two comes around, you realize now they believe in the show. They're putting more money into it. And I think that is very much encapsulated in, I think it's the over the last two or three episodes of that season. There's this giant, it looks like a raid quest in Final Fantasy XIV because there's... <laughs> Just this whole Whoa. army of Makai yep. knights and horrors, and there's this giant 
skull looking thing and it's raining down on people and then there's the priest like it's nuts it's like infinity war turned up to 11 (laughs) yeah that's a good point it really is yeah and i would say that to me like if we're talking about series overall the fact Mm -hmm. that it got that second season after such a long gap and the movies in between it might be what defined it as a franchise. It just came off as being a one-off that Keita Amamiya wanted to produce. But Mm -hmm. I know at the time, I've heard rumors that he didn't have much of a budget for that season one, and they weren't expecting it to develop into what it does. So having that season two look so amazing and be amazing started Mm -hmm. the franchise. It's just crazy how it happened. And I think once season two like sort of cemented it as oh this thing is kind of back and then you get season three which is uh the one who shines in the darkness which is almost like a a completely different timeline i don't i never understood exactly where it lies but it's a different protagonist than we've seen before um they don't really reference the other characters so it's it kind of expanded the world beyond just our main protagonist that we follow for like six years or something like that yeah, it, it was the start of that expansion that definitely has not stopped. Mm-hmm. So then most of the series then are separate and there are only a few here and there that are connected? Correct. Uh, it's like okay. it's almost like two different uh, parallel storylines in a way. Because the main storyline has Koga and uh, Zero as like sort of protagonists. But then we also have okay. the... Uh, I don't know what to call it the Raiga stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. but then it goes back for a season and you know goes back to the other timeline and now this more recent series focuses on the Raiga stuff again but from a different character's perspective so it's it's weird where they jump back and forth between the two wait was it Raiga or Yuga Yuga sorry Yuga yeah Yeah. because I know the names too many R's (laughs) Raiga's from Makai, the one who shines you know, in the darkness. No. No, Raiga's, yeah, the the Makai flower. Yeah. Ryuga is uh, the one who shines in the darkness. Yeah, I always get Raiga and Ryuga mixed up. Yeah, the names are too similar. Yeah, I yeah. Know. <laughs> it's okay. That's why I'm always super happy watching Sentai episodes, because I can go the yellow one. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here it's like, okay, who's the gold guy? He's the main guy. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But, like, if I were to watch this and try to do, like, a review thing on it and be like, you know, that gold guy, you mean the main character? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that makes me look like an asshole. <laughs> and see, that that's the great part about it is because the, the armor is the thing that people spot about it. That's the first thing that oh. pops in people's mind is like, oh, yeah, I, like, I, I, I know, like, I know you watch that Power Ranger stuff, but I saw one. It was this guy in this gold armor. As soon as they say gold armor, you know they're talking then about you know. Garo. Yeah. yeah like when they say like when they say well what's that guy he's like red and silver and he's really big and he fights monsters okay i know you're talking about ultra like that's the defining thing is the gold armor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i think this is a good time we've been talking about this for a bit but what is, what are your guys's favorite uh seasons of garo and why I got it. You know, I keep like going back and forth on which ones I like the most, but I keep coming back to season one every single time. Like every season has been so amazing in its own ways. Um, 
But season one, I just have so many fond memories of discovering Garo mm. through season one and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, watching the characters develop, especially watching Koga develop that entire season was really satisfying and just, I, I don't know. There's something that brings me back to that season. Um, I think I was going to say season three, the one who shines in the darkness, the one that started the whole alternate parallel storyline or whatever. Um, I love season one of Garo. I remember just watching that and being like, holy crap, this is badass. Because it was something that I discovered maybe a year or two after I discovered Sentai and Kamen Rider. So I was like, what is this? Like, this is ridiculous. But as cool as the main character is, Koga, he's very stoic and very... He's not one note, but he's he, he you don't see too much expression from him, I guess you could say. Like, he's... He's got a lot going on, so he's not the most chipper guy. Um, then you get to season three, and this dude is just, you know, smiling. He's very he's charming, and he's like, he can be serious when he wants to be, but he's also like kind of lighthearted, a little bit more lighthearted. He's more but, humanistic. Yeah, he did, he felt more human than Koga did. Yeah, and that's true, because there's four other, or three other characters with mm-hmm. them, so it brings on a lot of, like character personality that unfortunately we didn't get in the first two seasons yeah and it felt like them experimenting with oh let's see what kind of what this world would be like if we had a character base that was you know a bit more friendly the funniest part (laughs) the funniest way i've heard it described is season one when people are trying to watch it i think when i was trying to get my brother into it and i eventually did uh, he's like, hey, so what's up with Emo Seto Kaiba over here? <laughs> oh my god. Holy and I wanted to tell him something, but then I was like, no, you're right. That's Koga. <laughs> That's dead on. That is Aww. dead on. I feel personally offended, but. <laughs> well, no, it's like, that, that's the other way I've heard is like, hey, so what's. Did they make a live-action Yu-Gi-Oh? What's going on here? Because people see Koga <laughs> out of suit. He's got this long, intricate, flowing, leather-white coat. And it's like... Oh, I love that And he's got the same... Uh, he's got the same haircut as Kaiba. Yeah, he looks like him. Uh, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and it's like... The, I find that the best way to get people into that is, one, don't get defensive about it. Like, actually, this is really a, a guy who's been fighting these horrors for... Se- no, no, just accept it. Like, okay, yeah, there's there's some goofiness to it, too, but check out this cool thing that comes out right after this, and then you show him a fight, you show him a transformation, and then they're like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, let me let me get into mm-hmm. that guy. But yeah. um, I, I would actually say... Like, I, I love both of those. I love season one. I love uh, The One Who Shines in Darkness be- for that very reason with uh, Ryuga. But honestly, I was surprised that this was uh, going to be it. I actually like the first season of the anime because in oh, the yeah. difference with other other tokusatsu is very few of them cross over between different uh, mediums going from live action to animation. You know, we had that with like Kikaider in the past. Uh, but Ultraman. here with Garo, Ultraman as well, yeah. Uh, but here, Garo actually got turned into not just one, but three animes, each with a different protagonist. But the first season, uh, it changes the location because whereas all the live-action ones take place in Japan, this one takes place in Spain during the Inquisition. So it's... Oh, what? Yeah, so it's all this stuff like, oh, we're burning witches, and we think you guys are responsible for the plague, but then you find out, no, it's not the plague, it's these demons, and then these knights are in the background trying to get through it and there's all this political intrigue it's 
it, it it was able to put a different spin on it, but at the same time, you know, like everybody else has been saying, still have that same core ideal to it. Don't fall to darkness, you know, appeal to the better nature in people. And it, it's actually And this it, was the anime? Yeah, the first season of the anime. Neat. Yeah. This is this is the only spot where I disagree, only because I feel like they didn't carry the theme of Garo enough in the anime. That isn't to say that the anime is bad. It's definitely not bad. I actually recommend it for anybody who wants to get into Garo. You can definitely start with the anime. Absolutely. Um, but it's just like, I, I feel like it could have done more to integrate that universe into what we already know. Maybe it's also because like when I was watching it, it was the the subtitles kept freaking me out because they kept referring uh, the Makai priests to Makai alchemists and it kind of changed what they were. And I was like, oh, this is just weird. That that was a that was a translation decision on Funimation's part for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe because at the time they had another very well known series that had Alchemist in the title. But uh, <laughs> w- when you look at the translation of what the word is, w- yeah, I-, I-, I had the same issue with it. And actually what got me through the series was I actually went back and watched it dubbed, which oh. it was much easier to stomach that way for my for my taste. But uh, that that is a translation issue where they say alchemist and you think, well, alchemist means like you're dealing with metal and things like that, you know, based off the other anime. But the word that mm-hmm. they use in Japanese for priest is more like ancient shaman or a holy mm-hmm. man things like that interesting which is kind of more in tune with what the series is like these are ancient practices that have been carried on for centuries and centuries yeah maybe that's what it really was is that kept throwing me off constantly and i felt like it wasn't connecting or resonating like i feel like the makai priests in that or you know when they called them alchemists weren't the makai priests that we know, and I, you know, I have a very big bias towards all of the female Makai priests because that—that's the love other. Them. That's the other cool thing about <laughs> it is that uh, comparing the two, you know, you think it's a very male-centric series, like so many other Tokusatsu are, but mm-hmm. a good chunk of the Makai priests, or I guess I should say priestesses, are really strong, kick-ass female characters. Oh but God, I love them all. The thing I find weird about it is that. I mean, yeah, they're really cool. Like, a lot of the best characters are the Makai priests, but, like, guys can be priests, uh, Makai priests, but women can't be Makai knights. Yet. I say yet. I, yet. I, mm. do you, do you think it'll change? I think it's entirely possible. I really possible. freaking hope so. Well, because at this point, with the way that the, the female roles have been increasing each year, you know, you start off in season one, they introduce a Makai priest named Jabi, who's, like, She's combining kickboxing and ballet into doing all of her fights as a priest. Yeah, my and then, girl. And then you get to the more recent seasons. Like, they had, like, it sounds dirtier than it is, but uh, in Kami no Kiba, the, one of the more recent movies, uh, God's Fang, there's a girl-on-girl fight between Amiri and Rian. And I was like, well, can we have a more extended fight? Can we have them push it further? Yeah. They're starting to give more and more precedence towards that. Uh, I, I do believe at some point we will get a female Makai Knight. I, I, I sooner believe we will get a female lead Makai Knight before we get a female-led common Rider. Absolutely. Dang. I feel like Garo... <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it, but I feel like Garo would be more open to that. Because we've mm. had inklings of that. Um, mm. Yuna in Zero Black Blood 
mm-hmm. had the ability mm-hmm. to wield her father's sword, who was a Makai knight. That, mm-hmm. I mean, I won't say how because it's kind of spoilery, but the mm-hmm. fact that she could do that in the All story right. was centralized mm-hmm. on that fact was amazing. That's to uh, she is one of my favorites because of that. She totally breaks you know, all the boundaries of what the series established as Makai Knights, they cannot be women. But she was like, screw it, I'm going to make it happen. Yes, yes. So I love her That's so incredible. much. But on the flip side, as much as I love all the female characters in Garo, Garo is not perfect in the way it treats women. It is pretty oh, sure. bad, it's got a, It's got a ways to go, I, I do admit. It's got that mm-hmm. issue. There are so many times where they get the short end of the stick by, like, the Mm -hmm. end of this series. Like, they'll introduce them. They'll be badass. They'll be so cool, so strong. And by the end of the series, they diminish that for some of the characters, you know, in various ways. Again, can't say because it's super spoilery. But it's just a shame. Because, like, even one of... I. I call this my favorite movie but from the Garo franchise, but I can tell it's super, super problematic, mm-hmm. was um, Togen no Fue, which is the Togen flute. It yeah. featured Jabi and Reika, which are priestesses you learn in, or learn about in season one and season two. And they're mm-hmm. amazing. They're my two favorite characters. Reika's um, the best. Reika, yes. yes. <laughs> She's awesome. I have that cosplay coming up because I love her so much. But <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> anyway, so in that movie, you get a lot of interaction between them and the two antagonist characters that have this whole storyline around. But there are so many scenes that are like clearly fan service, clearly just for the male gaze in a way to mm-hmm. look over them. And I'm like, this is so unnecessary. These two amazing women of the franchise do not deserve to be treated this way so well i kind of noticed the same thing like i I don't want to get off on the tangent for too long but just because i just finished it and it's fresh in my mind you know uh like they were saying we introduce a completely different cast in the one who shines in darkness and we get that makai priest rian who honestly she's probably my favorite makai priest but i noticed between that and goldstorm and god's fang her neckline dips each season. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, it wasn't even noticeable in the first season that they introduce her, and then by the time you get to God's Fang, it's like, no, I've got a very noticeable window here that was not there before. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like, she does, a lot of her character is, well, not a lot, but some of her character is highlighted by using her sexuality in a you know in ways to gain advantage which is totally mm-hmm. fine if a character wants to do that but it was really weird to watch her neckline and like her outfits just get a little skimpier and i was like okay this this is not great i always hate it when people do that in a show where it's like personally you know i always struggle with the like does this serve a purpose or is she just fulfilling a trope? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as the token w- woman, you know, like if they had a guy on the show, like one of the things, this is a little off topic, but like I've been playing through um, Dragon Quest Eleven mm-hmm. with my husband lately and they have, you know, very much like the designated like sexy lady. Her name is Jade. She's kick ass. She's your older sister character type lady. She's great. But they also have another character named Sylvando, 
who is the male version, and I love him. Like, he oh. has a deep, plunging v- like V-neck down to his belly button, and, like, <laughs> he's amazing. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. He's Spanish. I, I... He's great. Like, I love it when there's, like, that thing of, obviously, you have, like, the sexy character. I just hate when every single time it's the woman and... Especially when, like, she's the only woman and you have her, of course, be the sexy one. And it's, I don't know, that's a very tired trope that I do hope that Garo outgrows. And I think it is. It's just there's still some storylines of Garo, like the way they've treated women, especially in Jenga. I was... Mm -hmm. We can talk about that later, but well, that's, mm. that can lead into my next question: Is what are your guys's most uh, your guys's impressions on the most recent Garo? All right, let me get this all out so I can you know shut up and everybody can talk about it. Um, <laughs> I feel like it started really, really well, and I was very interested because it's a prequel to a character that we see in Goldstorm. So I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, we can get more information about him. He's been highlighted quite often. Well, it's a, it's in... a sequel, not a prequel. What? I thought it was... No, I thought it was a prequel to Goldstorm and how he turned. Well, no, it's... Because uh, they say at the very beginning in the, the setup episode, in episode zero, that it starts after the events of the God's Fang movie where he got into a fight with, insert character name here, he lost and then was... Uh, reincarnated. What? Oh, okay. I definitely didn't catch yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I thought it was a prequel. Holy No, crap. it's a sequel. Okay. <laughs> okay, this all makes sense now. Never mind. <laughs> so so to explain on that, the most recent series, uh, there's an actor, uh, Masahiro Inoue, who plays uh, Tsukasa, Kamen Rider Decade, uh, over there uh, on Kamen Rider. He just came back for a couple of episodes in Geo. He was cast as the villain for the second season of the Ryuga storyline. And he was so popular, they brought him back again for the movie. And he was still so popular after that, that he de- they decided to reinvent the character from being a villain into an anti-hero into a hero, or a tragic hero, I should say. And mm. the, cur- the current season is him having to walk through being a good guy again. But I think it's... So it's easy to say that it doesn't quite work out so well for him. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god. This all okay, all the criticisms I was just about to say just got wiped away. Minus how <laughs> really? they treat the Makai. Minus how they treat the Makai priestess in it. Um yeah, because my qualms with it were like nothing made sense in the way I had it in my mind where it was yeah. a prequel mm-hmm. to Goldstorm. So in my mind nothing made sense. But right. now that it's technically a sequel where he's reincarnated, everything makes sense. <laughs> I'm such a dumbass. I should have put it together because uh, there was a season maybe a year or two ago that was kind of like a, I wouldn't say highlights, but it was like, it had different storylines that... De- that It was it was an anthology season. Anthology, that's, that's the word yeah. I was thinking of. And one of them was about Jenga, I believe. And it did yes. show his origin. So I guess going back to this... It, probably should have made sense to me that they didn't just retcon that whole thing this is just a continuation i thought mm. it was a retcon they need to have like a pdf or something of like their freaking <laughs> timeline because i don't understand it 
<laughs> it does get really confusing. I love Garo, but if this you, is if so you're confusing. listening to this and are confused, hit us up on Twitter. I am happy to explain the timeline to anybody who wants to know more. Can I hit you yeah. up on Twitter? Absolutely. I know, right? <laughs> is, is there any way to kind of briefly explain the timeline? Yes. Uh, so in the season that that character is introduced, uh, he's introduced as a horror, as a bad guy. You find out that he, before becoming a horror, was a Makai Knight who went through some tragedy and let himself fall to darkness. And he becomes the bad guy for a whole season. Then in the movie... He's brought back for a day so that he can do some stuff that involves the moon that's really kind of confusing, but it doesn't matter because the fights were awesome (laughs) in that. At the end of that movie, he's thrown back into what is basically the show's version of hell, and he fights, uh, which is the only connective tissue with the original series, he fights the end boss from season one, he loses... He's just there in oblivion, and then in this new season, he's reincarnated. It says there in the in the opening narration, mm. he's he's made of darkness, so he's reincarnated as the thing he hates most, which is light. So he's reincarnated as a good guy, as a Makai Knight again, and he's having to walk out his life with tragedy. Jesus Christ, my mind has been blown, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I remember before we started, you were like, I have so many things to say. I'm so angry. (laughs) I know. I was like, I was ready to go off because I was like, this is the most incoherent season out of all of them. And then, you know, now I feel like a dumbass. I was watching in the first like four episodes, like, man, it's awesome to see Jenga as like a hero and like a Makai Knight. And then, you know, things change. And I'm like, wait, does he have a split personality? I don't understand it. Or is he just hiding it from his little brother? Yeah, like they never, they without knowing that, you don't understand the why and when the change specifically happens. Oh my god, everything makes sense now. Okay, I feel I feel like this season isn't that bad. To, to sum it back <laughs> up again, you could watch this current season, but if you don't know the arc of the character, it can be very confusing. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, what were you going to say about the Makai priestess and how they treat her? Being like a big complaint of the show? For Fusa? Yeah, Fusa. So she's basically Jinga's partner in this, in the sense of like, she decided from an early age when they were both young, they were childhood friends, to be his partner. Because there's usually always a Makai priest is or priest that partners with a makai knight there's exceptions here there but usually they're um, paired up yeah usually they're paired up but the way they have her so self-dependent on jinga and Mm. his strength for her value drove me fucking nuts and i was like please stop let her have her own feelings and stuff like that. Like, it didn't need to be all about Jenga. And though what happens to her, particularly in episode 11, just fucking pissed me off. That hurt, that hurt my soul so badly. There, yeah, there was, a, there was a moment where, you know, she goes back to the village and she's talking to, like, these little girls who are trained to be Bakai priests. And one of them can't really, you know, shoot the target. And she says, uh, think of the person you want to be partners with most and almost like a way of saying like that will drive you to be a better priest. And then she thinks Mm -hmm. about this kid that I guess is either her friend or something like that. And then she shoots the target. And I was like, why does it have to depend on who you want to be partnered up with? 
I never got that impression with like Rekka or with uh-huh. Jabby. I never got that impression of that that they were so dependent on who they were partnered with for Makai Knight. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was super problematic. I could see it potentially being like a positive thing of like, oh, you and your partner, you guys have each other's back. So I want you to think that you're like protecting your partner out there and use that to like drive you to like make the shot and like have confidence because like you need to protect your partner and have their back. But like when especially it's like in the context that you guys are describing of like a woman who's like, you know, really intent on her partnership with this guy. And like, I don't know if it's romantic and like if it's that, you know, childhood friend trope where it's like a huge crush and like all that stuff but like having it in that context and then taking like as a woman then taking on your own baggage and putting it on some child like (laughs) seems seems really weird thankfully with enough of the seasons uh, having gone on there's actually examples of each of those things you just described like there's the depending on your partner there's definitely the romantic aspect thankfully there have been enough now in in this year in 2019 there's so many different iterations of the series that there's an example Mm -hmm. for each that's awesome uh final notes if you had to say just one series one season and one episode to show someone to sell them on getting into garo and getting invested in watching it in it what would that one episode be hmm. episode seven season one watch the skyscraper scene it's the most badass shit ever that's true <laughs> that is a good one i always recommend that one to people that are interested in garo um dang i wish i knew the episode i, do, I just remembered one now but i don't remember what episode it is you can vaguely describe it and maybe someone else by now <laughs> josh help me out here i'll see um, what i can do <laughs> Uh, I think it was in season three. It was Ryuga, Aguri, and Gokai Silver fighting against. Yeah, yes. fighting against um, a horror. I forget the dude. The, he was a famous like martial arts action star. Oh, that was um, Takasakaguchi. No, no, no. It was another dude. It was an older guy. Uh, he uh. was in Fists of Legend. Oh, no, 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 wait. It was towards the yes. end of the series. I believe so, yeah. The, the guy in the suit, right? Yeah. Yasuaki Kurata. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, That yeah. was towards the end of the series within the last six episodes. I don't remember the exact episode, but he's got a several-episode arc when he's fighting true. the Makai Knights head-on. What's great about that fight is that, you know, one of the great things about the show is the fights and everything, but what's so good about that fight in particular or those fights is that all three of these guys, you got three guys in this awesome armor and they're fighting one villain who doesn't transform. He just stays a dude and is fighting them all off. Like it's nothing. Oh yeah. I remember that. And it's like a Marvel movie. It goes from like the ground to like a moving train. Oh yeah. Back to the ground. Mm -hmm. Like it's ridiculous. Is that what you would recommend about it? Like just that the fight scene's really good. Probably if you're if if it's someone who's looking for action is either I'd say either like episode seven of season one or that episode I, I'd say if you want to like look into what Garo act like really is at its core as season one episode one of season three is really good because I just I just like the introduction of the new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you what do you guys think as far as like 
showing what like the the story side of Gara. I would say um, if if you're showing off, because it, it all depends on who you're talking to to get them into it. If you're just trying to get them used to the concept of the series, mm-hmm. simplest answer is episode one, season one. Usually, uh, with those, you know, when, when it's focused on a specific character, episode one of season one, episode one of season three, those are you know fresh out off the boat. It's like watching. The first episode of a new Doctor Who. It's a new character. Uh, they'll explain everything to you up front. That way you don't get lost. Uh, but beyond that, if you're trying to sell somebody on, hey, check out the effects, definitely I agree with episode 7 of season 1 with that skyscraper fight. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say episode, I believe it's, because I, I, I fully believe you can watch this episode out of context, and then when you come back to it in context, you can still appreciate it, is... I believe it's episode 23 of season two, which is that fight I was talking about. The giant, you know, it's a field of demons versus a field of knights. You can show somebody that and it's like, oh, my God, what is this? And you'll be like, okay, here's the here's the hook. Yeah, that's yeah, that 23 is really good. Also, if you're an anime fan, then I'd say try the anime. It's like a good segue from anime to Garo. Yes, you can definitely, you can absolutely watch uh, any of the three seasons of the anime, and then if you've watched that and you liked it, you can tell them, hey, you know there's a live-action version of this, right? Be like, what? For real? It's kind of the same way of people watching, uh, who just got finished watching SSSS Gridman and liked that. You can tell them, hey, you know there was a live-action version of this, right? They'll be like, oh, really? You know, it kind of works the yeah. same not way. like people who liked Full Metal Alchemist and then went to watch that live action. <laughs> no, not like that. Not like that. No, no, no. <laughs> the difference here being is that the live action came first and they knew what they were doing. <laughs> also, the live action is good. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Main importance. I feel like a lot of people who watch anime have been hurt by live action. Oh, I know. Yeah, I I understand that complete. The the best segue, I think, for that is just season one one of the anime, uh, which they Mm -hmm. refer to as just Garo the animation, um, because that's the most direct path between the live action series and the anime. They use the same design. With each of the seasons, they kind of, for the anime, they kind of change the design a little bit because it's animated and you can do different things with it. So the first season, that's just straight up the same suit you watch in season one, you know, one one scale. The second season, right. it's set in feudal Japan, so it looks a little more like samurai armor. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's that aspect to it. And then the most recent season, uh, Vanishing Line, that's set in what I believe is America and you're dealing with a completely different main character. His armor's more buff. He's got like speed lines and lights on his costume. And he's got this giant friggin' motorcycle, like cloud from advent children. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wish God. you could see the confusion on my face. <laughs> you think of a big buff dude, like you would see at a bar and he's riding on clouds motorcycle from advent children but he wears armor like saint Seiya that fits his body type so it's giant bulking golden armor with this giant sword it's very cool weird. story bro like <laughs> it's like the one way i would sell that one is if you like devil may cry you'll like this ah uh, yep oh. i know what you mean now that there is you a go. good comparison that being said, do you guys have any final comments on Garo? You should... Okay, so if you're getting into Garo and you really want to know different characters, like if you really get attached to one character during the show, 
Don't be afraid to look up the movies and the in-between specials. They're really good. They're one of my favorite parts of Garo, besides watching the actual TV series, Mm -hmm. is the in-between movies are really good and really good at defining some characters. Like I I said, the Togen no Fue does a really good job of defining Jabi and Rekka, and especially, like, you'll see them get closer and closer and, like, have a nice mentor and mentee relationship. And one of my other favorites is the standalone Biku movie that came out that focuses all on Biku, that character that you meet in season four. Makai Flower, I think, is when you meet yeah, her. Yeah, season four. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have a character you really like and want to learn more about, definitely dive into the movies. They're really good. Uh, definitely, <laughs> I would say... Uh... If it hasn't come across at all because we're doing this and we've been talking for a while, watch this series. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> there's something I fully believe, having been a fan of this since uh, since 2007, I believe, there's something in this series for everybody. If you like Hong Kong action movies, there's plenty of that here. If you like like Guillermo del Toro movies with really grotesque creatures and deep story. There's plenty of that here. If you like special effects like in Kamen Rider or Super Sentai, it's built on that here. If you like just the designs, there's plenty of that spread over all of the different seasons. I I assure you, if you give it the time, you'll find something in the show that you like. And there's boobs. If you like boobs, they're there. (laughs) Season one, episode one, boobs. (laughs) There's plenty of fan service in both directions, both male and female, yes. uh, for for the fans to check out. The 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 one thing that Garo doesn't have a problem with is casting very attractive people in their shows. <laughs> yes, yes. Bless bless Gokai Silver coming into Garo because mm, that was good to see him shirtless so often. <laughs> just just to touch on that for a second, just for people who are aware of that series. Okay, talking specifically to anybody who's watched Gokaiger. Okay, you remember Gokai Silver? He's kind of really energetic and happy about all the different things. Now take that actor, put him in a different series, take away his trident, give him a sword, and then make him this unapologetic womanizer. And he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's got this really awesome gnarly red armor. That's his character in that show. Yeah, minus like the womanizing point, I freaking love his character so much. Because it gets a little much in the beginning he gets a lot better yeah. at the end it's a little mm. much in the beginning then again i love junior akita oh my freaking god i would die if i met him and i'd like to also <laughs> meet him shirtless that would be <laughs> come on tom help me out here casually um, on the beach just you know super yeah cash. i know right <laughs> his character does but, have an arc yeah. so there's something to that but there's also that aspect mm-hmm. as well <laughs> I love him, though. <laughs> mm, my favorite part of that that season. Yes. And then there's uh, a lot of that, too, is that uh, if you watch those other shows, Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, Ultraman, you have that to look forward to if you watch the show. You'll see people like, hey, I saw you in that series. You're doing something completely different here. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Nice. It's, it's hard to say other than, you know, start from episode one of either series. It's something that's series. worth getting invested in from the beginning. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's kind of hard to just you know jump in in the middle, or or like to recommend a movie because the movies are so tied into the series, so it's like mm-hmm. they're not really too standalone, unless I'm mistaken. But uh, for the most part, they seem very like tied in. 
Oh, they absolutely are. Yeah. And you're going to miss a lot in between seasons if you don't watch them. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, either start with, you know, season one, episode one, or season three, episode one. Because either one, you're pretty much just starting from ground zero. And I'd say go, I was going to say chronologically, but yeah, because it can be very confusing. You'll see a lot of names and you'll see a lot of like colons and stuff. It's, it's very confusing, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to just start from either season. All right. And that being said, where can people go watch this? Is this something that's on Crunchyroll right now? Uh, it is available right now on uh, Verve and High Dive. You can stream it on there. Uh, there's also uh, the official Blu-ray releases for season one and season two and the movies in between are available over by Kraken releasing. You can just buy those off uh, Amazon and pick those up there. They're pretty cheap. They have English subtitles too. Yeah. And, okay, and cool. two of them have a dub, which is surprising. Wait, okay, I didn't realize about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize that until I took a look at High Dive. They've got a dub for uh, for the... The Beast... first two seasons of Garo? No, it, it's actually only for one oh. of the specials, Beast of the Demon Knight. That has a dub. Oh, oh interesting. Oh. They didn't really advertise that. I know, that was really weird. That and Red Re- only the movies, Red Requiem and Beast of the Demon Knight have dubs. What? Does oh. it on the, is it on the Blu-ray? Because I have the Blu-ray, but I don't know if it's actually... And then uh, the anime somewhere. is available from Funimation, all three seasons, all have been dubbed. Uh, season one is available on Blu-ray, I believe, season two and season three. If they haven't already, they will be shortly. But for more of the most recent seasons, there are ways to watch them that I won't go into. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, the most recent seasons are not available legally. Yet. But... Mm-hmm. Yet. I think at some point they will be, because I really do think people watching the first two seasons via High Dive or buying the DVDs, there's traction building. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me this evening. This has officially been episode 42 of the Tokunet podcast. Tune in next time to see what exactly we will be talking about. And until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Night, everybody. The Tokenet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, such as iTunes or Stitcher. It helps other Tokusatsu fans find us, and it really does help out the show. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash where, if you're at the Common Rider level, you can get early access to this episode and our future podcast episodes, plus extra rewards. Team Tokenet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Network.com.